Hello everyone, welcome to a new Cross Mining Cafe. Um, our topic today is um, public policy evaluation and it's a, it's a new application area that I haven't seen before. So I'm, I'm very excited uh, to share this with you here today. And I'm joined by Nunu Seda. Hi Nunu. Hi, everyone. <laughs> yes, thanks so much for, for joining us. Nuno is the, the Director of Food for Sustainability, and he will tell us a little bit more about his, his work and his projects uh, in a moment. Um, um, yeah, the, the session today is, is really showing uh, some some creativity that you can that you can have in terms of um, finding data where there isn't really any prosmining data. In that sense, it's it's a nice continuation of the last prosmining cafe, actually, where we talked about data preparation and what you do if you don't have any data. Sometimes you have to be creative and, and find it um, or make the data, you know, to analyze it. And I think Nuno has shown a really interesting example for that. And that's why uh, we thought it's, it's, it's useful to share that with you, with the community, uh, to share what he has done. Yes. Well, uh, thank you very much for, for your presence and I hope you can also uh, see some value in this uh, creative approach to <laughs> finding data and to, um, well, in this case, we applied uh, process mining to um, a field where many people have uh, worked before with different approaches, with different uh, tools, and uh, we... Um, try to do something really different uh, with the data that we could get our hands on because of there are always uh, limitations on when accessing public data, well, public sector data in this case. Um, but uh, we have two interesting cases to, to show you and feel free to ask questions in, uh, when we are presenting. So please interrupt whenever. Yes, exactly. And that's in, indeed what you can do. So while you're watching this, you can ask questions to Nunu, you can share your own experiences uh, in the chat. So we keep an eye on that and we will pick it up um, along the way. Um, yeah, so let's let's get started right away. Um, um, maybe, yeah, so public policy evaluation, right? Public policies are, of course, we have this political dimension, people Uh, have new laws, new initiatives because they want to influence the, soci the society in, in a good way. Um, and so one of the questions is how effective are these strategies? So, of course, evaluating what is being done. Yeah, that's like the overall art, right, of, 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 of this application area that we're looking at here today. But maybe to take a little step back, tell us first a little bit more about Uh, your association, it's called Food for Sustainability Collab. Um, what, what is Food for Sustainability? Uh, well, um, in a nutshell, uh, Food for Sustainability is a collaborative laboratory. It's an entity of the scientific and technological system. So we do research and we get funds also uh, to do some research but we are closest to the market. So we interface entities. And in Portugal, we have uh, competency centers and we have collabs, collaborative laboratories. Uh, they both um, are uh, created as privately owned uh, organizations. In our case, we are a non-for-profit private association of 12 members. 
um, and we get one third of our activity uh, funded uh, to do research and then the second third of our activity should come from uh, co-funded uh, projects, so competitive funding, and the last third should come from uh, services or other kinds of own sources. Yeah. Um, this is basically the front office sustainable, financial sustainability model that we adapted uh, for Portugal and for these two kinds of entities. Yeah, I was no, about to say that. Huh? So they in, at Fraunhofer, they're not purely researching, but they're also doing projects and more absolutely. interacting more closely with the market. So that's a little bit similar to what you're describing. Yeah. Uh, in our case, there, there is a big difference. There are currently 41 collabs in Portugal. Uh, we can say that maybe too many, but I'm not going to discuss that. Um, but uh, there's a big difference in our collab um, because we uh, started uh, collaborating. Uh, so, uh, startup accelerator called BGI, Building Global Innovators, uh, that uh, spun out of the MIT Portugal program. So, BGI was created to uh, hold uh, the the shareholdings. Uh, in startups that were supported by the the acceleration programs um, and BGI scouted international uh, startups to take to the USA and started with an immersion program in Boston that we keep doing uh, for the last 10 years and also an international accelerator based in Lisbon. Uh, so this organization was at the time publicly uh, owned by a university and the public uh, sector VC um, partnered with the municipality of Vidanha Nova, which is one of the largest uh, municipalities in, in Portugal in terms of area, but one uh, with the lowest population density. I was uh, just mentioning uh, that um, Due to the abandonment of uh, some agricultural productions like tomato and tobacco in the region from the 50s, Idania lost 70% of the population. So, yeah, can, you, can you maybe describe a little bit where that region is in Portugal? So some people might have in, sure. in mind so, the shape of the country. So where are you talking If you look about? at Iberia, Portugal and Spain, Portugal is the the rectangle, the small rectangle on the left side, and uh, Idania is in the center of Portugal, closest to Spain. And it's one of the biggest municipalities. We have over 300 municipalities, and uh, Idania is at the same distance of Lisbon, Porto, and Madrid. Mm. So it's quite So central. far away from everything. Well, but you can say that it's central because you can access Madrid uh, mm -hmm. the same way you go to Lisbon. So That's true. It's, it's about the same distance. Uh, so Idania Nova was uh, struggling and uh, they designed a new policy uh, to take people back to the territory and to develop um, some uh, new businesses. And... Uh, They, uh, of course, are a rural uh, municipality, 
So they uh, invested a lot in organic farming. Mm-hmm. So they were part of the first bioregion in Portugal. They are also uh, within the the area of the of one geopark of UNESCO. Uh, they also uh, are a city of music. So they have a lot of international distinctions. Um, they uh, and they did that because they wanted to attract more people and more companies to the territory. Yeah. And the purpose of uh, connecting with BGI was to develop uh, research related to agriculture. Right. And that's also the, the project, right, in which you applied cross mining is about looking at policies, how they affect farmers. So you are looking at agricultural policies and, and funding programs, right? Can you tell a little bit about the project in which you applied process sure. mining? Uh, so the, this was a, uh, a co-funded project led by one Polytechnical Institute, which is one of our founding uh, members, uh, the Polytechnical of Viseu, which is a bit further to the north uh, relative to Idania. And um, the final, the end customer was actually the national authority that uh, manages and controls all public funding in Portugal. Uh, it's the, the Agency for Development and Cohesion, and uh, they uh, coordinate all the funding programs that are then assigned to uh, different uh, public agencies for management. So they they hold the helicopter view of everything that is being funded, and they were the the end customer because they wanted to uh, ask the universities, uh, and in this case, the Polytechnical of Viseu, um, another company uh, in IT, and our collab, we partnered to give them a different view of the data they already hold. Mm-hmm. So this was the purpose. And of course, it was not expected to be, um, whatever came out of the project was not expected to be uh, immediately applied, but should bring new perspectives of how public policy can be evaluated and monitored in time. Uh, and especially in our case, we focused on agriculture because uh, it's very difficult to establish uh, cause-effect relationships. So if we invest in buying one tractor, uh, we will get more production. And sometimes it's not like that because it's quite complex. We are dealing with nature and it's not like a factory where all the processes can be streamlined uh, right. in farming different things happen. Right, exactly, yes. And you looked at public data, right? You mentioned that already. Um, you did not only use process mining, you also looked at it with some statistical tools. But um, yeah, what, what, yeah, what are the main questions that one wants to answer when you're looking at effectiveness of a public policy? Uh, so um, it's very common for these agencies to look Uh, only at the the KPIs they they have to deliver. So the country commits to delivering a certain number of uh, uh, goals 
and uh, they sometimes just focus on understanding how close they are to meeting the, the target. And this is not looking at the impact, it's looking at uh, something that someone along the process decided that should be measured and, and then became a goal and they have to deliver it. But uh, they understand very little about the dynamics that the new, these new uh, public policies and new funding uh, opportunities um, bring to the, to the economy. So how companies react and uh, that was actually the purpose of our um, our project was to explore more the dynamics and the how uh, companies behaved uh, in face of changes in policy and funding opportunities. Yeah. And yeah, as yeah. you mentioned, uh, there were three of us and the Polytechnical of Viseu uh, worked on the raw data to uh, put together different tables that were available in different funding agencies um, to give us a complete view as much as possible of what were the, the projects that were funded. Then we had to filter that to look at uh, agriculture. Um, and because we are talking about agriculture, there are uh, basically two kinds of it. One which is a direct aid for farmers. If I'm producing um, uh, almonds uh, in organic uh, mode, uh, then I can apply to get funding because I'm doing it in organic. Um, but then we also have investment projects and innovation projects. Uh, so I, in this case, I apply to get the funding to do the investments and hopefully at the end of the investment uh, I will be in a better place I will have a better uh, well processes products uh, services whatever the scope of the project is but these two uh, were analyzed differently. So we looked at direct aids, which uh, has one thing which is very good for the analysis that we wanted to deliver, which was uh, is a reflection of what farmers are actually doing, not what they intend to do to make their productions better. So the second part, of course, gives us uh, the look into the future. And um, then we can analyze different things. We, what is the intention uh, behind the investments? What is the expectation that they have? Um, of course, this can be richer or poorer depending on the data that we get. And we got very little data um, because they, they were very uh, concerned about uh, giving us uh, data beyond the, the limits of law and of course we we had to uh, write uh, some legal recommendations to assure them that what we were doing was uh, legal and we were not uh, 
of course at risk but uh, in spite of all of that we we got very little data but still we were able to find uh, some interesting insights yes. within the very few data points that we get let's let's look at that to make it a little bit more concrete so you have talked about the the goals but how does this look like in practice right and you just mentioned the very little data but also i think it's not just that there's um maybe not much data but also the type of data that you have right the data that's collected or that's available um based on for example these direct aid to pharma applications so it's a form of how uh, you say subsidies right that you can apply for um yeah, yeah it's not at all uh, process mining data or process data so it's static data so um yeah so we in, in fact to make it more concrete we brought two cases here today uh, and you will show us two uh, for these two dip different types of data sets how you analyze them to show a little bit the types of questions that you could then answer once you shape the data uh, to the level that you needed it so um yeah so let's maybe look first at the raw data for the, for the first case um, so I bring that up here on my screen. Let me know um, you can see okay. that. Yeah. So that's the original data, right? That's when you mentioned different tables were brought together. And these are two of the tables uh, for the... Is that the direct aid to farmers or which type of... Exactly. It's the direct aid to farmers. And we we got uh, three files for each uh, calendar year. Um, so this is an annual process. Every year, farmers apply uh, by June, July. We just extended this year the deadline because there are new rules. So uh, making all this uh, exercise more interesting because we analyzed uh, the the data between 2015 and 2020. And so we have five years of data, right? Five years of data. Uh, six years. Six, uh, oh, yeah, you're right. 15, including 2015. 15 and 20, yes. Uh, so we got one file, the top one uh, states that that company was in one municipality and they moved to another municipality. So this was already, uh, well, uh, no, I'm sorry. This um, tells us that the, the company is headquartered in one municipality. And based on this data, we can immediately understand the ones that moved from one municipality to, to the other. Because yeah. in different years, they reported a different headquarter. Yes. Uh, and usually, they um, when they change the headquarters, because they change production to a different place. So yeah. this is what, what uh, we can get out of the first file. Right. But maybe before we move on, let's let's think about it in terms of the process mining data that we are looking at, right? So if we have this data and now we want to see, okay, where is the process view that we can take on that? So actually the ID is maybe the easiest thing in, in this type of data that we already have, right? We have the case, we can use it as a case ID because the ID, what it is, it's either the text ID, if it's... Um, it's the text, uh, the text ID, if it's a company, uh, mm -hmm. if it's a person it's a pseudomized id yeah uh, so that we cannot identify immediately the the person but yeah. we we have the same id in different years so we can correlate the data and say and see the 
what changed from year to year. So Exactly. So the same company over year over year, if it appears again, we see that they apply again. And so we follow the same company over the six years or the same person over the exactly. six years. And that right? That's the, the case. The purpose, yeah. the purpose was to uh, use process mining as a tool to one, understand the dynamics and to look at the dynamics, we need to focus on the organization, yeah. uh, the agent. So the company, the farmer, uh, is our uh, process. Yeah. And we see what the, the agent does over time. So we yeah. are looking for uh, changes that are significant and that, can, uh, that we can analyze and we can use for segmenting. Uh, so it's uh, it's very different from um, aggregating data and looking at uh, who was the 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 farmer that got the most money out of state aid. But uh, if we look at the dynamics, if we look at events over time, we can define a profile, and we can look at different entities going through the same process, so the same changes over time, and we can uh, understand better yes. how they dealt with the new opportunities uh, and how they looked at changes in public policy. So yeah. that's uh, profiling using events over time and not some static or aggregated element of uh, companies. Exactly, yes. But if we, if, just to emphasize that again, right, if we look at the static data to actually get that out, you, we have to make some interpretations of the data or some assumptions and some choices, essentially, right? Because if we're looking at it, that's really all the data that we have. The idea is there. We can use that as a case ID. But... For example, we don't even have timestamps, right? There's no time. <laughs> Essentially, the time is implicit because you have these same tables for these six years. You have it for 2015, you have it for 2016, 17, 18, 19, 20, right? Yeah. So that's the timestamp. And then in terms of the activity, it's just like you, just to emphasize that again, what you just explained, you're looking at certain significant changes. So you're looking at the static data and from year to year, if you see a significant change from one year to the other for the same entity, you are creating an event about this change, right? One that you mentioned with the exactly. table above is yeah. uh, if the, the headquarters move. Exactly. Yeah. So change in the headquarters. If I uh, cannot find uh, the company in 2015, but then it appears in 2016, uh, we uh, see that as a company starting an act, a new activity. And if they uh, stop uh, applying for the state aid, it's because they closed that activity. So the beginning and the end of the activity uh, does not appear in the process for everyone, but just the ones that uh, in started or finished uh, within that uh, time frame. So the ones right. that kept operating from 2015 to 2020, there are no changes, no relevant changes to, to note. So we don't have events for that. Yes. And also, but what you did look at were 
um, the changes that were significant, right? So, for example, if we imagine one company or one person applies for this direct aid with this amount of, because you have information about the area, so this is the agriculture area, the number of animals, and then there's also information about the amount of aid they got, right? So when you say you're looking at significant changes, you're looking for a difference, for example, in area, in animals, or in, in aid, right? So is it was it 20% Sorry. up or down was the significant? It was 20, actually 20% up and down mm -hmm. that we used as a threshold, uh, not to generate uh, millions of uh, new events, but just to focus on the most relevant changes. Yeah. Um, so if someone reported in one year uh, 100 uh, hectares and then in the next year they uh, went up to 500, that's very significant change. So they yes. are investing a lot. Uh, so we counted that as a relevant event. If they go from 100 to 110, it's not that significant. Uh, maybe they already had that area, but they were not producing, and then they expanded uh, slightly their production to more than 10 hectares. Yes. Um, but we used 20% as a threshold. We could have set a different threshold, but yeah. that was the one that we used. Exactly. So maybe we can... Yeah, so, so that's the stat static data that we just looked at. Let's take a look at what you made from that, right? So to make process mining data, uh, if you see the Excel sheet here now, that's basically what you created from those two static tables. And what we can see here is first of all, also the ID. So that's the case ID that comes back. And then essentially, yeah, so that's also a choice that you made, right? You gave, you used the, the year based on in which year the, a certain change was noted compared to the previous year. Um, so, for example, um, yeah, 2019 here, initial activity, that means that this uh, company or person applied for the first time in 2019 and there wasn't any entry for them in 2018, 17, 16 or 15. So that's why that kind of new start activity is here, right? We see where it is also. And what's the last um, column also that's some, some additional data field here that you yeah. So in, in, in the third, uh, we use that not to characterize the entity because we were looking at different aspects and the dynamics of the entity and the decisions they made, um, but to look at different municipalities and to understand the companies that are established in each municipality are the ones getting more money, less money, or they are just in the middle. So we classified each entity Uh, according to the total amount of aid they got over the whole period. And in that case, uh, that you showed, well, the second case is even uh, stronger. Uh, in the last year, one organization started, initiated an activity uh, or they applied for the first time and they were already considered in the top third of the ones that got more money. Yeah. So this is a huge production for sure. And they uh, started late. And I, I can explain why this happens. It has to do with uh, this kind of analysis. 
so in this case, we are not looking at the choices and the outcomes of uh, the choices that each entity took, but uh, the characterization of municipalities. What kind of companies are established there and are operating there? Yeah, and we will see that a little bit more back in a moment, right? Once we start looking at the, the data with Prosomining. Um, maybe just to show a little bit more. So here in the beginning, uh, it's just how the data is structured. So first you created the activities because you really had to create the activities and the timestamps out of nothing in a way, right? They were implicitly hidden in the data. Absolutely. So here it's kind of the initial one. But if we scroll down a little bit at some point in time, here, for example, that means... Um, that help uh, or the num the aid was increased? Increased the amount of aid. Increased yes. the amount of aid. And that's how much it was increased? or Exactly. That's the okay. percentage of increase. Yeah. And then if we scroll down. So, so there are these different activities that you created. So for example, here the area was increased. So that's someone who applied the next year compared to the previous year with more uh, area. Uh, so 20% more at least, right? So, so to categorize, uh, to, yeah to be significant uh, for that. And yeah, so we, here we also have reduction. So this would be a reduction of eight, um, more than 20% less than the year before. So, so yeah, so this is kind of the, the, the way the data the, is structured. This was um, almost uh, all uh, the magic of the, the project was finding data where we did not have uh, explicit data. Yes. Yeah, and now we can see what you could do with it, right? So I think we understand now what you did. So again, if we are importing this Excel sheet now that you created from the static data in Disco, we see the ID column. So that's still the yeah the VAT number or the the, the ID commercial ID or the uh, anonymized personal ID, uh, and then the timestamp, um, and then the activity name and the three attributes, right? The region, how much. The difference was if there's a change in, in, for example, area or age or things like that, and then whether they got um, a high amount, a medium amount, or a low amount of support overall. So if we import that, yeah, we can maybe look at a at a case to see uh, how the how the data is there. And um, yeah, what you mentioned before also is that if there's kind of no change in between, right? So imagine there's a company that applies. Uh, 2017 for a certain amount of aid and then 2017, 2018 it applies for the same amount of aid and 2019 again for the same amount of aid, then you wouldn't actually detect any change so you would not generate kind of one of these change activities that you created, right? There would be nothing uh, because um, just, there was no change. Just the beginning of the activity and uh, ending, if they stop by some reason to, to apply to state aid. But uh, otherwise, if uh, if they were already applying um, before 2015 and there are no changes and they kept applying until the end of the period, there are no relevant changes. Yeah. So, so we, we will not report those, active, those entities. Yeah, so we, we can see that here, for example, right? So if, if we look at this one case here, Uh, it's just one of the cases where they started in 2016. So that means that in 2015, yeah, they were, they not, were not present. applying for this kind of aid. Right. And then in 2017, they increased the area. 
and they got more aid. And then in 2020, so they increased the area for over 40 percent. Oh, yeah. And in the same year, they got uh, more 22% in AIDS. Mm -hmm. And uh, there were no significant changes between 17 and 20. And in 2020, they got more 36% in AIDS. So what could be a reason for them getting more aid, although they didn't change or increase the area? Uh, well, animals? they changed the, their practices they aligned their production better with the requirements and they got more money because of that not mm -hmm. because they increased the area and they did the same uh, production system in the new area uh, but because they improved the way they produced in the area they already had yeah. so maybe converting to organic or implementing uh, what is now called eco schemes under the new cap and common agriculture policy um, has this kind of effect. Yeah. Back in that period, it was called greening and um, farmers were uh, given um, a greater amount if they implemented some practices. Yeah, okay, that's that's good to, to know and also shows that you really have to know the background, like what are yeah, the processes behind this to interpret this, but also all the choices that you made to create the data are really important to understand yeah, the meaning of things. So for example, maybe one thing I wanted to clarify for the people who are looking at the maps, you know, more from with the eyes of a process miner. Usually when we're looking at process maps, we often see kind of start and end activities and here they're not they're not standard or not in the way in the same way standard start and end activities as we know them usually so for example here this particular case has this uh, start activity in, in the very first event um, like we said because there was no um, activity in 2015 right but uh, so if we're right. looking at the map for example here if we're looking at the case coverage we can see it's actually just 20% of all the cases um, that have that that means that 80% of the the cases they had already, yeah, they already applied and got the subsidy in the very first year, 2015. Exactly. So this means that in the period we got 20% new farmers and we lost some farmers because we they stopped applying for the, for the aid. Um, so this is the kind of dynamics that we are looking to understand. Right. Right, and here, for example, we can look at the ones who who came new into the the, the support program, uh, but it's just twenty percent, and it's yeah, it's not useful just to look at those twenty percent, which you often would do as a data cleaning step, like in the traditional cross mining way. But here, it has a different meaning, so it's more to be seen as this is a new this is a new um, participant in the system, and uh, for most of the analysis, you would want to actually look at the full picture and not just the ones that started at a, in, in the period. Um, yeah, but we can see some of the statistics already here, right? For example, what the biggest um, yeah, increase in area, increase in aid, these are kind of the biggest uh, kind of changes that we see. But you also uh, looked at the other statistics, like right, the muni yeah. municipalities, for example, that you mentioned. Exactly. Well, uh, just a short comment about the, the process uh, diagram and the animation. Uh, it was uh, obviously quite new for the public authority uh, to look at this uh, hidden data 
uh, in a process map where they can see immediately uh, what uh, sequences were more relevant in the whole data that uh, they had. So it, it was, uh, we had to explain them how to look for uh, evidence and hints uh, in, the, in the diagrams. And we also showed the animation so that they could see over time uh, where uh, there was a big concentration of activities uh, of one type. And they can also um, interpret what was the, the cause uh, for that. Because in some cases, we just see the increase in the amount of aid. And that can be because uh, they just gave more money to farmers without yeah. any changes in their production system. The, the amount was per hectare or per animal was increased. And that has an immediate effect if it's significant enough. And we can see uh, some of the bubbles flowing when they did that, in the year they did that increase. So this dynamic aspect was quite new to them. They were yeah. not used to seeing data over time. Yeah, like you mentioned before, they were looking at the, the KPIs, right? They were used to measure, but this kind of process view, like over time developments, that's kind of a new way of thinking. And yeah, now we are looking at everything together, but I think what it what you then also can do with this type of data is look at it with the understanding of the municipalities behind and of the behavior yeah. that you can expect, right, from these types of um, systems and programs. So, yeah, we wanted to show you some of the analysis that you then did based on that. And I think one of the things is, yeah, looking at the municipalities, There, a lot of them are from the north or... Exactly. So uh, Portugal is a very small country, but with bigger symmetries. And we have large farms in the south, and we have very small farms in the north. So uh, we also see that those small farms in the north uh, change more often than the, the big farms in the south. So there were more changes uh, One, because we have more companies in the north and smaller farms, and because they are more dynamic, they make adjustments very fast. Uh, so if there is a new incentive, they react immediately and then and they apply all the measures they need to access the new incentive. Uh, whereas in the south, uh, large farms are... Uh, harder to change uh, so we don't see that kind of dynamics and we compared some of the municipalities yeah. that we know quite well let's do uh, that let's pick the first one so we uh, actually we saved them here to to do it a little bit quicker so the first one you looked at is idana so actually Danyanova is the the place where we are headquartered uh, it's a large municipality Uh, it was once very uh, important in terms of uh, farming uh, and agriculture. Now uh, we see um, again an increase in the in the use of land. Uh, one because the municipality 
uh, is investing and renting uh, land that is owned by the state of Portugal uh, and they are assigning that land to farmers for a very low price initially. Now prices have gone up and they are quite expensive at the moment. Uh, but uh, in the beginning, uh, the municipality uh, started this process of giving back land from the state to farmers. So we can see that in the data. So there are uh, there is a prevalence of companies uh, getting more money overall. Yeah, because Portugal. alto that means it's the upper third, the, it's the, the upper higher third. third. So yeah. the the lowest uh, percentage is of farmers in the lower uh, third, which means that that they got less money over the the whole period 2015 to 2020. Yeah. Yeah. And the other um, one that you looked at is another one that you know quite well, right? So let's. Yes, it's another that. municipality. It's, it's called the Ruda dos Vinhos. It's close to uh, Lisbon. Actually, it's uh, 30 kilometers outside Lisbon. It's very close to one um, uh, the largest uh, food market in Portugal, uh, which is the, the food market that serves uh, the, re the whole region of Lisbon. Um, but they have uh, very few uh, professional farmers. Uh, as to say, so everyone has a backyard, they all produce something but in very small scales. Mm -hmm. uh, so there is only one farm above 50 hectares and uh, there are maybe 10 or 15 above 10 hectares. So, yeah. so we see 50 percent, they uh, they're all they, in the lower yeah. third. <laughs> so they have um, uh, very little access to water. Mm. While in uh, Idania we have uh, three to five thousand hectares served by uh, an irrigation system, uh, so we can do uh, irrigated farming. Uh, in Ruda, it's very difficult to get access mm. to water. Yes. So it's also. Uh, something and they are just starting with the same program to uh, assign uh, the bank of land to new farmers so it's yep. just starting let's see where it goes but it's of course smaller in scale but if we see uh, a lot of new farmers appearing in Arruda we know because uh, it's uh, well the policy is working and they are able to uh, to attract new investors. Yeah, that's that's really good. So the, there's another region also that you know very well, well right? That you also uh, looked at. It's important to mention that in Aruda uh, we have more farmers in the lower third, so the ones that get less money mm -hmm. because farmers are small, they don't produce a lot, they don't care about agroecological practices uh, that would give them more money uh, so in the past uh, it was like this we are now uh, looking forward to seeing what will happen in the future because in Aruda 
there are new policies uh, being implemented and uh, we are also involved in that. So we are looking forward to seeing some changes in the hood. Yeah. Okay, so you would expect to see kind of the portion of medium and high uh, support to increase relatively to... Exactly. To, so to let's see what happens in the future, because yeah. of course, in the future, um, now in the present, we are already implementing the new uh, common agriculture policy. And we, every country has a specific strategic plan to implement the European rules. Um, mm -hmm. But what we see is that um, now it's more demanding for farmers to get access to this kind of funding. They have mm -hmm. to implement more uh, agroecological practices than before. So yeah. overall, in the future, we will see a decrease in the, the amount of aid, uh, regardless of changes in area and the number of animals. Because okay, so the bar is raised for them to exactly. get support. Bar yes. is, is raised. Mm. Okay, so you, yeah, you will see these, monitor these changes, and see them, how it works out in the future. The what can you tell us about the other region? You mentioned another region that you also know very well. So this is the Beja district, actually different municipalities. So exactly, uh, we prepared it so, here, so we can uh, see it's several, right? It's like ten or twelve at least, fifteen. Yeah. and we could add a few from other districts also. Uh, in the south of Portugal, we have a huge uh, investment in irrigation. Um, it's called Dialkeva, uh, and Dialkeva now uh, provides water to around 120,000 hectares and there are uh, lots of new uh, investments especially in uh, olives it's two-thirds uh, about 80,000 hectares of uh, intensive olive groves and then we have uh, around now already above uh, 20,000 hectares uh, in intensive and superintensive almond productions. Mm -hmm. uh, well, we should say that uh, after the USA, which is the by far the, large, the largest world producer of almonds, Spain is the second, and Portugal is uh, catching up with Spain. Of course, we have uh, a smaller size overall, so we cannot ambition to become Uh, a huge international player, but we are already implemented, uh, implementing a lot of new almond groves mm -hmm. in Portugal, and especially in the south, in Alqueva. Yeah, yeah almonds course, really use a lot of water, right? And we have other crops, but uh, the majority is uh, olives and almonds. Mm -hmm. And yeah. no, especially yeah. these municipalities are being hugely impacted. So the the oldest um, almond growth I know in the region has maybe nine years, uh, and it started producing uh, with stable levels maybe just four or five years ago. Uh, so we can see that effect of Alkeva in the numbers. How can you see that in the map? Like, uh, how, how do you interpret the, f the process map? 
with well, that background uh, in mind? The the ones that started the activity and then and that are in the high third are very likely uh, investments in Alkeva. Mm. So when we look at um, the the amount of money they get, um, because of course the area is uh, quite large, they they have thousands of hectares. Um, it well it shows uh, it really shows in the in the process that yeah. they make they started the activity they are already in the top third and they increase the the amount of it and the area yeah. uh, very fast over time and yeah. very significantly yeah we can see that very very clearly here this link from increasing area and increasing aid yeah so, okay, so then this is a way for micro segmenting all the operators in the country that mm. apply to state aid. Uh, we can look, cannot look at, uh, at them uh, as being the same because they all make different uh, decisions uh, and they are in different regions where policies can uh, promote uh, or um, or not the installation of new operators. So yeah. this is the kind of segmenting that we need to do to really interpret the reaction of companies to public policy. Yeah. So that's one direction, right? So that you look at a specific region or municipality where you know the structure and see how they develop. But what I also found very interesting is the last example that we prepared for this first case is where you're looking from the process perspective, from the development perspective. For example, um, we know that we can see increase in area, um, but also there's reduction of, of area or reduction in animals. And one of the kind of the patterns you are interested in which are the the farmers that decrease area or decrease animals and increase the aid, right? So let me let me bring that up and you can tell us a little bit what's behind this specific type of analysis. Let's maybe first look at the prospecting view of that. So then, of course, um, when we apply the filter, so that's kind of what you can do with the follower filter, right? We are looking at process patterns. Exactly. Um, so we are looking at, in this case, directly followed. So we want to see... Um, because that's in the same year um, that a reduction of animals or area um, or in the next year um, yeah, is followed by uh, more aid. So if we apply that, uh, let's say reduction area or animals more aid. So it's not that many, right? It's a it's a really a small portion. We should see it's just three really percent. Small group, but very important yeah. one because uh, what happened uh, in these companies was that they really understood the requirements for getting more incentives and more money from uh, the practices they and they invested in implementing those practices. Okay. So these we can see this uh, this group as. The, the pioneers of what is happening now. So now public policy is more demanding and we are requiring farmers to make changes to 
keep getting some money, but not anything close to what they got in the past. Um, and uh, these are the, the pioneers. These were the ones that saw the first that there was uh, a trend that would get them to where we are now, more demanding policies. And they started operating changes in their productions uh, to uh, optimize uh, their economic uh, return. So they have, maybe they have less area, but they are uh, getting more uh, margin out of it because with the changes in the production system, they also increase the resilience, they reduce risks, they reduce the inputs. And now farming inputs are quite expensive and some are becoming unavailable. So even if you want to buy fertilizers or pesticides, uh, it's hard to to get them in the market and the prices are really high. Mm. That's why they made the adjustments very early and they saw the return. Yeah. So, so we can they reduced maybe... the area and animals and yeah. they got more money out of the aid. For example, if we just pick a case here and try to imagine what happened here. For example, this one or that one. Let's pick the third one here. So they started in 2016. They reduced the area in 2019 and increased the aid in 2019, right? Exactly. By so they, 50%. So that's quite significant, isn't it? They reduced 30% the area mm -hmm. and they increased over 50% the amount yeah. of aid. And then they moved uh, to uh, a different municipality to Alcoti, mm -hmm. uh, and um, they got more, 20% more with the same, um, with, well, we cannot compare because it was the last year. Uh, maybe we could compare to 2021, but in this case, uh, we see that they, they got 20% more money uh, out of the relocation. Um, so maybe this, uh, these are annual crops and they uh, probably they uh, used um, already certified organic fields mm. to produce and they got more money with the same. Yeah. Uh, so so bad. Exactly. So by identifying kind of desirable patterns like that, that's also a possibility then to go and visit those uh, farmers and to see maybe what they are doing right, right? To discover some best practices perhaps or share that with the exactly. community. And also, we are not looking at the ones that uh, keep doing the same thing year over year. We are looking uh, to find the ones that uh, anticipate and that pioneer uh, and invest in new practices and also the ones that um, don't get the message and uh, get less money uh, even by in, after investing more. So if we uh, do the search of the ones that increase the area, increase the animals and reduce the amount of aid, maybe we can find a few uh, that uh, misread the whole uh, intention of the public policy. Mm. 
So yeah. uh, by looking at the, by micro segmenting and looking at these uh, specific cases, uh, we get more information to adjust public policy. Mm. And maybe it's not a matter of increasing the amount of aid per hectare. It's a matter of uh, providing more support and information to farmers so that they can uh, have access to the amount that is already assigned and available. Yeah. Okay, great. Yes. So I think this brings us to the end of the first case. And we wanted to also briefly look uh, yeah, at a second, a second uh, case. Um, where it's a different type of uh, aid program, right? Before we looked at direct aid for farmers. So what kind of uh, project funding is this um, so second this, case about? Um, the second case, uh, we took all the, the projects uh, from Portugal 2020. So it was really a huge list and we tried to filter to get the ones um more related to agriculture but in some cases it was it was not possible to uh, clearly make the distinction uh, because some calls were specific for farming and others were were not uh, and we also uh, looked at it with a different uh, perspectives uh, so what you are seeing now is quite complex It's called praxeological assessment technology. It's something that um, one of my colleagues uh, worked a lot uh, in previous years uh, and uh, did a PhD thesis based on this. Uh, of course, there, there's a lot of work done before. So this is um, a way to look at action and intention so the intentionality behind action and what can happen of positive and negative um, coming from um, action and intention uh, so we see that the positive side is the the top uh, half uh, we can see um, the benefits, savings, fortune, wisdom, hope, and aims. And I don't, uh, I wouldn't like to um, to define all these terms because uh, this comes from an intersection of technology and philosophy. Um, I, I don't have the expertise to fully explain, but uh, for you to understand that there are some things that are positive Uh, and we can see the intersection between um, what was the action and what was the intention and the outcomes. So on the left side, uh, we can see the, the objectives. On the right side, we can see the results. And in some cases, the, the objectives uh, led to results. But there's also the case of objectives not leading to results or some results appearing that were not part of our objectives. Yeah. So that's where we see action and intention. We compare objectives and results and intersect the two, uh, the two sets. Right. And of course, this can be positive or negative, and we give uh, a meaning 
to each part of the intersections. Uh, this is all based on three uh, basic uh, fundamental variables. One is the ability to plan. So if if we got a result that we could not plan for, like mm -hmm. winning winning the lottery, that's a very positive thing. But we can cannot plan it. We cannot yeah. try uh, um, draw a plan to win the lottery. The second attribute is uh, if it is achievable. So maybe something we can plan for is not achievable mm. currently. Um, and the third one is desirability. Is it desirable? Is it something that we want or something that we want to avoid? Uh, so, and I'm done with explaining the praxeological assessment technology. Uh, what's important for you is that oh, oh, out of more than 400 different uh, calculations that we can make based on this uh, model, we uh, chose 10. Um, and we the aim was to, uh, again, uh, segment the the companies the the operators that uh, invested in in some cases they invested in more than one project over the period that we analyzed so we wanted to compare uh, the performance over time in each one of these 10 dimensions or out of more than 400 that we can calculate and yes. give meaning to I think we can make it more concrete if we look at the data, right? So let's uh, maybe let's do that. So like you said, you selected 10. Um, but before we get there, let's look at the, the data again. So I have the import screen here. The NIF, that's again, that's the ID. So that's basically the same setup that we had with the first case. So it's either a company or it's a person or anonymized. It's a person. Yeah. Right. And it's again data over multiple years. And But the difference here is that um, it's not this kind of direct aid that's being uh, awarded to the person or the entity, but it's project-based. So essentially, it could be that in a single year, one company or one person could apply for multiple projects. Let's say they have 10 projects, uh, and each of these 10 projects will be in the data. I th I'm not sure if this is kind of a project ID. Is that kind of, for example... Uh, on the left side, the first column is the project ID. Yeah, that's what I thought. So, yeah. And we will see that uh, how it comes to that, because if we go towards the end here, so there's a lot of additional fields in between, but towards the end is how you then included these dimensions right so we have that's basically the the pat dimension that you mentioned exactly. which are mixed so of, the pat we yeah. are talking about uh, technical efficiency productivity uh, intentionality so we can calculate a lot of dimensions and we applied these calculations to performance uh, in over two variables time and cost Mm -hmm. So we got initially very few data points, like uh, what was uh, the the expected cost or the overall investment that was planned for the project. And we compare that with the actual cost of the project. So this means that uh, typically uh, in this kind of uh, co-funded projects, um, 
we cannot go above what was planned, but in some cases we can. Some exceptions we can go up above what was proposed initially, but um, we are measured for uh, achieving the same that we applied for. So mm -hmm. one, when we compare uh, proposed to actual, uh, we would be uh, the the best scenario because we invested what was planned. Um, then we compared also the the planned start and end date uh, with the actual start and end date of the project. So these are the two dimensions: cost yeah. and time. Exactly. So, for example, if uh, I think productivity is one of those, right, where you're looking at time and cost. And so, for example, if time is total, that means that the whole time of the project it, that was used. But so if it's it was optimal. So when we yes. see, uh, we then classified each project uh, according to the quartile. Um, and we uh, we have two additional uh, classifications for uh, zero. So null means that uh, we did not uh, invest anything. Uh, and um, total when it's um, infinity, so when it was optimal. Full, yes, maybe to, to look at it in a different way. So if you are, uh, if you apply for a project and you get the project approved, that doesn't mean that you get the project, uh, the money automatically, but you basically have the right to make investments, for example. And then you have to show you have made this investment. Let's say you have bought this machine, you have uh, created this area, things like that. And then you would get money from the project. But so that means if people don't use If they don't make these steps, then they also don't receive the money from the project. So if and they don't, it's a huge it's a huge problem for uh, the ones managing the funding program because, mm -hmm. as in airways, <laughs> they also do overbooking. Mm -hmm. They approve more than the money they have to to assign to to the projects, but uh, they already know that some of uh, the promoters won't be able to. Um, to make the full investment um, and the the goal for them is to get to the end of the program and with all the projects executed they uh, made the best possible use of the money they they had available yes. so this means that when uh, some will uh, not execute the project or underperform and uh, some of the the best performers can go a bit above what was initially planned, but overall they want to assign and make the best use of the the whole budget that is available. Yeah. They don't don't want to leave money on the table. Yes, exactly. So that's that's their perspective. But when we now look again at the process view that you can create from this data, it's essentially what you're looking at um, how the productivity of certain performers changes over the time and over different projects, right? So yeah. maybe to maybe let's look at an example to make this more concrete. So we have already imported the data here. So if we look at just one case, 
uh, initially it's not that useful yet because we have all the data together, right? You mentioned you have these 10. We, exactly. Um, we have to filter and look at uh, one uh, attribute at a time. Yes. So here, for example, we see for the first project, it's just we can see this is all one project up to row 20. These ten dimensions, and then it's always per time and per cost. So we have twenty for each project. Uh, so this means if we're looking here, this is over five years for this particular company or person. They actually had two hundred eighty rows, so fourteen projects in total. But we're looking at everything at once, so that's not really useful. So what you can do now is, though, like you just mentioned, choose one of those dimensions, right? So that's what we, yeah, what we did also with, and we again saved it here. Uh, the productivity time perspective is one um, or time productivity that you can choose, which is exactly a combination of, in this case, one of those 10 dimensions, which uh, is productivity and time, right? And so this, this means exactly what we just talked about. So if you, for example, um, only if you have applied for the project for four years, but only after two years you start receiving money because only then you took actions to get the money, then it's like you only used 50%, right? Is, is this the correct interpretation? Um, no, we did not get uh, into that uh, level of detail because we didn't have the data, um, but we can uh, see how... Uh, the same company performed over time in different projects. Yes, but, but can you explain then what does it mean, for example, the first project? We see there are 14 projects for this one company over time from 2015 yeah. till 2016. There were a lot in 2016. So we, we are looking at the, the percentile and mm -hmm. we see that um, Taking in consideration the whole universe of all funded projects, yes. uh, the first project that uh, started in December 2015 um, and that lasted for five years um, was uh, between percentile uh, 25 and 50. So it was average low performance. But the second one that started in January 2016, one of those, because they started a lot, in this case, a lot of new projects, uh, they, some of them, uh, they had uh, optimal performance. So they um, had few projects that were managed and executed perfectly, and some we are looking at time and productivity and I'm not explaining what productivity in time is, uh, but we can see that there is a, a difference in performance um, over time. Right. So in so this case, we, we are looking at an entity that um, started a lot of projects in the same uh, in the same day or almost at the same time yeah. uh, just one started in april and was not uh, january yeah. but in this uh, in this other case we can That's see another one. that uh, the projects were more uh, spread over time yeah. and they had optimal performance for most of them right? almost for, yeah uh, just, just two, two were not that well. Right. 
So, so in that sense, just to emphasize that once more again, so the process view that we are taking here on the data, again, it's not really there, but it's kind of a process view that you're taking on that because you're interested in these time, temporal developments, right, in this, in this process, is that the same person or company um, yeah, has projects, sometimes in the same year, sometimes over multiple years, but how does it develop over time? And you can evaluate this in these different dimensions. So for example, we can do this here for, for this chosen dimension, time and productivity. It's actually useful for that dimension, right, to look at projects that have more than, uh, to look at performers yeah. who have more than one project. So we can add that here uh, through a performance filter. Let's do that. Uh, based on number of events, because if there's just one project, you can't really see, exactly. you know, how they develop over time. So let's use two projects at the minimum. Uh, something went wrong here. Two. Um, yeah. And then uh, once we apply that time productivity multiple projects yeah then you can start looking at how the performance develops right yeah so we can see that uh, most uh, performed well optimally uh, but there were some uh, changes in performance over time uh, and we can see uh, what what happened with Again, we are micro-segmenting, we are looking at the set of companies that uh, had the same uh, path over time. So in this case, we looked at um, the ones that had better performance and later they had projects with lower performance. So uh, it's, uh, it's understandable that in the first co-funded project, you are learning, you don't know how to uh, manage it and how to do the reporting and how you will be assessed. Um, and you make some mistakes and you learn and then the next one is goes well because you already learned. So from low to uh, high performance, it, it's expected that you learn over time. But what happens uh, when you are already performing well and then uh, some projects go wrong. Yeah, because, exactly. So, that's, well, yeah. so this is the kind of uh, subgroups that we wanted to, to find and to, to better understand uh, what happened over time, uh, which programs uh, were, uh, in which co-funding programs were the projects that went wrong um, and see in which regions and try to understand also that connection uh, to the intention behind those programs and the ability to execute of the companies that applied and got those fundings. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, and you can look at it from different directions, right? You mentioned the ones that were good but were declining, but you can also look at the ones that didn't start at all. So, for example, if we see the ones here with with um, the lowest category, so that means they didn't start, they didn't, yeah, activate any of the exactly. the project funding, right? So we can we want to focus on those. For example, we could uh, filter for them here, and then say no projects, but 
yeah, then you can also look further and see for the, yeah, they move from zero to so above zero. We right? think that and we are looking at uh, the entities. So it's uh, 7% of companies uh, that uh, had at least one project that was not executed. Yeah. And we can see that, uh, of course, we have the 916 um, that were not executed, but we can see that uh, the same companies also had uh, projects that were delivered, uh, some with delay, but uh, we had uh, 503 uh, entities um, that performed optimally in at least one project. So um, it, it now gives us some indication uh, to see which funding programs, when the projects happened, uh, in which region were they executed uh, to, to find uh, possible causes for this low performance. So we are talking about entities that already had performed well and uh, something went dramatically wrong in a, a few projects. Yeah. Yeah. So thanks a lot for sharing these examples. I think that really shows like the type of thinking and the types of questions that are then also yeah, relevant questions, right? In this space of evaluating the policies and how is it working? How are these programs being used? How do they develop over time? And as we have seen, you can approach you can approach it from the perspective of the Yeah, individual municipalities or areas, regions with some knowledge behind it, but you can also look at the overall pattern and then see, okay, where do we see these types of desirable or or undesirable patterns um, being manifested? And is it tied to specific programs? Is it tied to specific areas? Or even visiting concrete farmers, for example, to see what they are doing, um, yeah, to have certain, to exhibit certain, certain behaviors. So, um, yeah, thanks very much for, for sharing this with us. So you mentioned it already a little bit before, but uh, it's, yeah, I imagine uh, not just for us a new way of applying process mining, but like you said, also for the people making these policies, kind of a new way at looking, of looking at their data. Is, is it something that you had the impression they understood or was it difficult for them, you know, to get into the, this kind of process thinking perspective? Uh, what was your experience? Uh, well, uh, we we did public uh, presentations of the the findings of uh, the whole project. So this was just one part. Uh, we also did the hardcore praxeological assessment technology part, and we also developed a few dashboards to um, explore correlations between um, some attributes that. Uh, are not, we cannot immediately correlate, but uh, somehow the data say that they are highly correlated. Uh, so we did the dashboards to find those correlations. We did the, the praxeological assessment technology because it was something completely different and new uh, and a lot to explain. Uh, it was very hard to explain the whole complexity of that. And then we used uh, process mining. And from process mining, they 
um, they now know that they can look at data in a different way. So they can look at the dynamics and they can micro-segment the, the companies they are serving and to understand um, what are the motivations, what are the actions that they do, what are the, the outcomes uh, and the results uh, that come uh, from those uh, decisions and those actions. Um, so it's a completely new field for them. They acknowledged that it was completely new for them. They were interested. Um, but uh, as I said before, they um, they have been focused on controlling the KPI for so long that it's uh, it's very hard for them to adopt a new way of looking at data yeah. because they still need to uh, deliver the KPI. Uh, but of course, now that uh, we have so many uh, new co-funding programs, it's very important for them to uh, start looking at these new approaches. And uh, of course, we will uh, do a follow-up analysis of um, of these same aspects that we showed here today uh, with uh, new data from this new policy framework um, uh, to, to provide them with some evidence that uh, this is very important and this gives them information to act before the program reaches an end because they are used to reporting when the program ends um, and not making uh, decisions to change and to adapt the policy um, throughout the program. That's a good point, yeah, to change while the program is running, to steer it in the right direction, right? Absolutely. To make it more effective. That, that was yeah. our purpose. They were very interested, but it will take time until they adopt these kind of tools. Yeah. Um, to improve the way they uh, use the money. Yeah. And for you as the analyst, like you mentioned, you, you used also different tools like statistic, classical statistical analysis. What specifically for you did the process mining tool add to your analysis capabilities? What type of thing you could you do better or at all that you, you can't do with kind of just working with well, Excel? We, we just showed a few... Um, Uh, ways of uh, using the sequence of events to finding uh, subgroups of entities that perform the same way, mm -hmm. that have the same uh, the same uh, execution over time. So this is uh, this is impossible to do with without process mining, uh, or at least uh, a lot more difficult. Um, and we tried also to stretch a bit the, the limits of uh, what we are, we were doing to to really show that uh, you cannot get answers to these questions in a different way. But yeah. of course, we had to start by finding data that was not explicit and building the process uh, with uh, a lot of Uh, things that initially were not a process and use then the process mining tool to uh, to answer specific questions that cannot be answered in a different way. Yeah. 
So that's a good point. eh? So if you have maybe more data available, maybe you can do an even richer analysis and also have richer development patterns for for these types of um, behavioral kind of processes, adoption processes. Absolutely. With more data, we can... uh, Well, we did this with very few data points. And uh, we were were able to deliver um, some insightful... um, Informations for the policymakers, mm-hmm. uh, and we also uh, have now the, the the obligation to to do the same analysis uh, once we get new data from the current framework program to show them how uh, companies are reacting to the new policies, and this will be very important for them. Yeah, because there's some changes in the policies, right? Also, the the direct aid approach is being reduced. You mentioned, and so there are some changes to be expected. So it will be interesting yeah. to see how Absolutely. that works out. All right. Any last words you want to say, maybe for other people who want to apply Postman in the same area or anything else before we close? Well, uh, the the main point for me today is to to show you. Um, that with some creativity we can uh, we can make a lot of data explicit from the few data that we have access to. So if you are creative, you can you are able to find the hidden data. Uh, then you can be surprised with what you can do with the new data. Absolutely, we absolutely have seen that. So thanks, thanks a lot for sharing this uh, really interesting example. Thanks a lot for coming, um, yeah, on the show for being here with us, um, telling us all about the project. Um, thanks to you watching out there. Um, yeah, we are going to be on a on a short summer break for August, and we will be back with a new Postman in Cafe in September. Uh, until then, thanks a lot, Nuno. Thanks everyone. See you again Thank very you. soon.